0: Sport disability disabled sport. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Bull. I am your host, Dave, aka Sitting Bull Walsh, and today I am talking with an athlete who is currently training for Paralympic selections in Nordic skiing. She plays on the USA Sled Hockey team. She is. She does everything. She adapters serves. She hand cycles for the CAF Foundation. I don't think there's anything this athlete can't do. So let me introduce you to Lira Doda. Hey, Lira, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on for, the show. Hello, thanks for coming on. And you know, I know you're busy with your your camp at the minute. Your um training. How how is training going?
1: Oh, it's been great. It's pretty much the end of the season, so I'm a little sad about that, but um. Really excited ah. about all the work that I've been able to put in this season.
0: Is it is it in preparation for uh, certain competitions or?
1: Um, I would say the biggest thing that I'm preparing for at this point is the Paralympics coming up next year. Hoping to make the Paralympic team.
0: That's pretty big, yeah. So, so when is your selection for that? Is that coming up?
1: Um, that would probably be next winter I'm assuming
0: right yeah Uh,
1: I'm still very new to sport so learning all the logistics of it all is a little confusing still but
0: so is it still I like like the way you say you're still quite new to the sport yet you're preparing for the Paralympics that's amazing
1: yeah I was I was very lucky to come out here to Bozeman where I'm at right now and train with all the coaches that are on the U.S. Paranordic team they've really helped me come a long way in biathlon and Nordic skiing. That's pretty much the biggest reason why I'm able to go to a World Cup that I went to this year and to keep training for the Paralympics. So.
0: That's absolutely amazing. But Lira, your, your story wasn't always so, so clear cut. I've started following you on social media and it was clear to me that the second I, I clicked follow that you were such an inspirational person that you've been through some hard times. However, here you are now looking at the, the Paralympics, playing sled hockey for USA. For our listeners and, and viewers who don't know about you, would, would you mind just recapping on, on your life?
1: Well, first off, I was born in a little town in Saratov, Russia, about 17 years ago now. And a few days after I was born, well, actually, sorry, as soon as I was born, they noticed something different about me. That's because I was born with a condition called arthrogryposis, which basically can contract any of the muscles in your limbs. Luckily, I only had it in my lower limbs and not my upper limbs, but after that, I was in an orphanage for a few years until I was adopted by a family who brought me to the US. And pretty much from then on, I started walking. Took a little adaptation for me to figure out how to walk, how to do things like everybody else. But once I started walking, kind of felt like I was just like everybody else.
0: When you say you were walking, you were using some mobility aids. Um... Um,
1: I was using braces on my legs. Braces, yeah. And, and yeah. they went
0: all the way up your legs to, to your hips. Yes.
1: Yeah, pretty much from the toe up to my hips. And then I used forearm crutches to help stabilize and, and, myself.
0: Because you, you were growing up as this was your normal. How did your peers treat you? Were, you? were you exactly the same as your friends? Or did you have to kind of like sit on the sidelines a bit while they, they went off and did some, some sports?
1: You know, I was, I'd say I was very lucky because I grew up pretty much all the way through preschool to through middle school. I was in the same community. So I grew up with the same people, went through school and went through sports, I guess you could say, with the same group of people. So I was really like in a family kind of situation, I almost feel like, because everybody treated me as the same, just like they were. I was always playing sports when I could with them. Of course, it did take a little adapting for me to adjust and to figure out how to play some sports, but a lot of Schoolyard games like kickball or football, even soccer. It was very interesting with crutches because I ended mm. up getting some people's shins, but it was fun. Yeah, I think that the best part of school was that it was being able to learn how to do all the sports that everybody else was with a little bit of a um, change in how I'm um, doing things. But,
0: so you were in, made yeah. you feel as normal, made you feel like, like you were one of, one of the gang?
1: Yeah, pretty much. That, that, I never... I definitely never felt like I was out of outside the group or different from everybody else, which i mean a lot of people struggle with that and I'm definitely really lucky about that.
0: And that's fantastic because you you you're they're your friends, so the last thing you'd want to, to be is is different from your, your friends. So so by you pushing yourself out there to, to adapt the sports or adapt the games you were playing. And your your friends also had to adapt a bit, I guess, to to how they were playing, which which was fantastic. It's what 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 we need more of in in the world, I guess, is is more people like like your friends who who see disability as normal.
1: Right.
0: When you were fourteen, what happened on on the build up to the amputation?
1: Well, I throughout my life had a lot of surgeries to basically make my legs as normal as possible and make it as easy as possible for me to walk with braces or just walk at all really. Um, but one of my surgeries kind of changed my legs. One of my legs, the growth was stunted. And so my doctor ultimately told us that one of my best options would be to double amputate. Because although it would be probably the definitely the hardest decision and choice to make, especially in the long run, it would give me the best chance at mobility and independence, which is exactly what I wanted and needed.
0: it's crazy to think that by taking your legs off would make you more mobile and make you more independent, but that's that's exactly what what happened. How was this decision made? Was it down to you? Was it down to your family?
1: Um so ultimately my parents kind of gave me full reign of the decision. <laughs> of course they kind of wanted me to think about it as much as I could to make sure that this was really the decision that I wanted to make and that I knew I could live with for the rest of my life because, of course, once you make that decision, you can't really go for the heck, yeah, obviously.
0: absolutely. So
1: they, they really pressured me to do as much research as I could, to talk to anybody that I could who knew about it. But ultimately, it was up to me and what I wanted.
0: I've got, I've got two daughters. I've got a 13-year-old, and she can't even decide what to have for dinner most nights, so. <laughs> To put, to put that on you is, you know... I
1: can't
0: do that it's, Yeah. It's probably harder to decide what to have for dinner sometimes. Yeah. When you are doing your research, were you talking to a lot of amputees and how were you doing your research? Because this, this wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: No, it was less than three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely talked to a lot of people. Actually, one of the first people that I started talking to was somebody with the same condition as me. So I really took, like inspiration I guess from that and like I saw how his life changed from the surgery and then I started seeing how other people's lives changed and of course I was talking to physicians, PTs, um, prosthetists who Mm. knew Mm. what I was coming into Um, so I think that really helped like me make my decision so I could see like what my life would be like as an amputee and all the difficulties that came with it but also to see like I have a community to fall back on when I need them. So that was really, really good part of researching.
0: So you did your research. You decided you were going to amputate both of your legs. What were your family's thoughts on on this huge decision?
1: Um, My parents, although they were really supportive of any decision that I made, uh, they were also really hesitant and nervous because... Mm -hmm it was new territory. They didn't, we didn't really know what could happen possibly because of my condition. There were a lot of factors that might've made it difficult for me to walk as easily as I thought I could or wanted to. The way I was born, a lot of my muscles and my legs didn't work or I never even learned how to use them just because they were so weak. So there were different things going into the, the thought process of, making the choice to do that surgery it was a pretty difficult decision for my parents to kind of take um to think about even but in the end they just had to trust that like I would go through the process I would do the work I'd do whatever I had to I guess they knew that was the kind of person that I was that if I wanted something that bad I would do it
0: I'd do anything to get it
1: and that's exactly what happened
0: so you did that you made the decision, you had the surgery. How was the surgery? I, I cry when I, when I get a paper cut or when I trap my fingers on the door or something, so I can't can't imagine how, um, how that must have been.
1: It was actually very, like, it was pretty scary at first. Um, as soon as I even sat in the hospital bed for the surgery, before getting ready for the surgery, I was kind of freaking out. I was like, is this the right decision? Is this going to make my life better or worse? And then it was just a matter of me going back on all the things that I thought about and realizing, yes, this is the best decision. And so I went through the surgery and afterwards it definitely took some adjustment. I mean, for a while I felt very immobile because I was in a wheelchair for a bit, probably two or three months up until I fully healed and I was able to start going to PT and getting casting for braces.
0: Did you go straight in for that when, when all the wounds were healed?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you just I, wanted to get going. Yeah, I was ready. I mean, even after two weeks after my surgery, I was like, I'm sick of being at home. I need to go out. I need to do something. <laughs> so I was definitely ready to get on my so called feet, my new feet.
0: Your new feet, yeah.
1: As soon as I healed, I, I wanted to get there prosthetics casted so we did so and probably less than a month later I was in PT it was crazy but within the first week of walking I dropped a cane and I just started walking uh, on my own
0: within a week that's pretty amazing really yeah it was a great accomplishment it, it took from from surgery from having oh I suppose I suppose from the day before surgery where you weren't walking properly where you were struggling to a day plus a month you you were you were up walking were you walking obviously it takes some time but were you walking better than before could you could you feel the difference straight away or
1: yeah I looking back on it I mean in the moment I was like oh this is so hard I'm learning all these new things I'm using different muscles now than I that I never really used but looking back I realized it did make my life a lot easier because even though I had to learn new things I was less restricted by braces and crutches I was able to get the right fitting prosthetics
0: i guess with with your hands anymore using your (laughs) your arms and you know you could carry things
1: (laughs) i know that was that was crazy for me because for the first time ever i had my hands free
0: (laughs) yeah i used i used to walk on crutches um a a little while ago and the most frustrating thing is when you're carrying a you you want to drink or you have to stop to 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 do whatever you want to do with your hands and then and then keep going so so you 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 could just you could dab if you wanted to or anything
1: I could do that (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: brilliant so um straight away you you knew it was the best decision you you've made um how did your how did your family and your peers take to it when they saw how happy you were was it quite easy for them to see yeah this this was the right decision Leah is going to go as far as yeah yeah I
1: definitely think especially my family because they're the closest people I have um, in my support system bubble. They pretty much, as soon as I started walking, they could probably see that change in my mood, see how I was acting, how my attitude towards life in general became so much more positive because I knew what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And they really saw that fire in me, I think start
0: what did you want to do when, when what was the first thing you thought of when when you when you were walking fine what was what, what was the the goal
1: honestly a lot of it was just being able to walk yeah. normally or what I what I felt like was more accessible more mobile yeah. more free almost feeling I mean at first I had no idea what adaptive sports were
0: okay up until
1: Three or four months after my amputations, I never knew what adaptive sports
0: were. So So you've been playing sports your whole life with your friends and your peers, but Mm -hmm. were you you playing on teams?
1: Nothing competitive. Um, So it was a big jump to go from a while of playing leisurely sports to not really doing much because of my surgery to jumping Mm -hmm. into competitive sports right away.
0: So, so let's talk about sled hockey. What got you into sled hockey? Because you didn't know about sled hockey until after after the surgery, after you were walking again. Um, let's, let's talk about how you got into sled hockey.
1: Uh, it was actually pretty quickly after my surgery and after my recovery. Um, it was probably the first week or two that I went in to start fitting my prosthetics. Um, my clinician offered me to go try sled hockey and I had no idea what she was talking about. But there was a clinician there who actually was an amputee and he played sled hockey and he's like, this would be the best sport ever for <laughs> <laughs> you. Interesting. I guess I'll try it out. Um, so I went out to practice one day with the Arizona Coyotes sled hockey team, and it was an all-adults team, kind of took me under their wing. Um, The first time I got onto the ice, something just clicked where I was like, I'm not walking, but I feel free. I mean, I sled on ice, just gliding across and I can do whatever I want. Did you feel that
0: you're going faster than you've never been before and you can do things with with your body that you never knew was possible?
1: Yeah, it was incredible, Um, especially being able to Make sharp turns, mm-hmm. go super fast. Literally push your limits as hard as you can to do to go as fast as you can.
0: This is something you wasn't used to in the past, I guess. No. And yeah,
1: definitely
0: not. when you when you finished that practice, what was the first things you, you said to your parents? <laughs> I
1: think I was like, This is awesome. I <laughs> have to come back. <laughs>
0: so you were hooked straight so away?
1: I was hooked. I yeah, pretty and, much.
0: So, so a couple of months from from not being able to walk properly to, to being on the ice, how fast do you go on the ice? Do you know?
1: Um, I've never like <laughs> tested how how fast I go, but it feels pretty fast.
0: So I bet I bet the contact you make, make much contact with. Does, does that does that hurt? <laughs> because it looks um, like it could hurt.
1: If you don't have padding on, it hurts a lot more. <laughs> but if you check a person or hit a person. I should say it you get an adrenaline rush from it yeah it's
0: really
1: exciting
0: yeah um, so, so tell us a bit about the sport of sled hockey can you tell us go, go through I suppose in a nutshell what what sled hockey is for people who who don't know
1: yeah so sled hockey is basically the exact same thing as regular hockey but it's a para ice hockey form um, so basically instead of having two skates for your feet You're sitting in a sled that has two little blades under it that you balance on, and that's what you skate on. And instead of having one long hockey stick, you have two shorter hockey sticks that you use to skate and pass the puck. And at the bottom, there's like a little metal pick that you can dig into the ice to push your propel yourself forward on the ice, one for each hand, um, and you use that to skate and shoot.
0: Oh, cool. So what, um, what position do you play at?
1: I'm a forward, mostly, I mostly play a winger. But so sometimes is that, starting...
0: um, are you the person who scores all the, all the goals?
1: <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> you, you got better chances of scoring when you're not defence, in my opinion, just because defence is always taking care of the home part. Yeah. Your forwards are always charging towards the net.
0: When it comes to the sled... Do you have to have your own sled made up? Because I imagine a sled for me might be a bit different from a sled for you because I'm yeah. massively obese and huge, you know, So, <laughs> and you're an There's <laughs> all kinds of
1: different sizes of sleds, from one for a little kid to a grown-up. Um, there's definitely a lot of modifying going on for people of who have legs, who don't have legs, who are taller, who are shorter definitely the best thing to do if you are like wanting to hit people and skate as efficiently as possible it's always best to have your uh like a custom molded bucket I actually don't have a custom molded bucket right now but that's just a cover to protect my legs yeah instead yeah. of wearing like shin guards I never have to buy those <laughs> <but> <laughs> my legs covered um so I guess I get lucked out on that but there's always um When you start out playing, you can borrow kind of more uh, universal buckets that are meant for anybody to try out. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll be able to be modified to whoever's skating in it.
0: When you started playing, which team were you playing for, sorry?
1: I was playing for the Arizona Coyotes sled hockey team.
0: And what was the the goal there? Did you just want to get on the ice as much as possible and play as much as possible?
1: Yeah, that was... For the first probably three or four months of playing, I just wanted to have fun, learn everything that I could, and just get better. It really brought out the confidence in me, I think, because I remember the first time I was on the ice, I was really scared to hit people or get close to somebody. And after like a month or so, I was charging at the puck, charging at everybody that I could hit. Just nobody Um, getting in his
0: way, (laughs) it will run you down. Right. So, um, you moved from, uh, you you moved to another club. Was that in San Diego? Yes. Yeah. I
1: moved from Arizona to San Diego.
0: What is the club in San Diego called?
1: Uh, The San Diego Ducks.
0: Yeah. So, did you find them straight away or were they difficult to come across? Because sometimes when you're looking for new teams with with disabled sports, there's, there's not always many uh well in the uk there's not a lot of, of disabled sports right. clubs anyway yeah. uh, so how did you find the the san diego ducks
1: well luckily i've been after a year or two playing or more like a year because i moved soon after playing uh starting to play um i was more introduced and accustomed to caf the challenge athletes That's foundation funny. and they're based in san diego so I believe when I moved to San Diego, they connected me to the team and made it super easy for me to kind of try out for the team, I guess, um, and start practising with them as soon as I moved. So big props to CAF and the (laughs) San Diego Ducks for getting me on the team.
0: You are on the women's USA team? Mm -hmm. How how is that? How is that a feeling to say that, you know, out of all the, the... disabled women in the USA you're on the team
1: it's honestly kind of surreal when I think about it sometimes is <laughs> sorry
0: was there a selection to get get picked or is it, yes. is it did they come in oh so you had to go to tryout.
1: yeah pretty much there's every year normally there would be a tryout camp that you go to and from that they choose the best 17 or 18 players to join the team
0: and how old were you when, you when you first got selected for the, the women's USA team?
1: Um, I was 16. I 16.
0: And out, out, of, um, out of hockey, how old are you classed as an adult? Is it 16, the youngest uh, you could have been?
1: I think normally it's 17. but
0: <laughs> So they but knew about already, you. They knew you were coming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the women's national team actually holds players that are younger than me. Uh, I think our youngest player is 15 now, okay. maybe 16. Um, yeah. But I know on a lot of club teams, uh, the adult age to transition to the adult team from the kids' team is typically 17. Did
0: you, did you say the women's team is a developmental team? Yes. Is that- We're named
1: a development team most, I mean, pretty much because... Um, women's sled hockey is it in the Paralympics yet?
0: Well, why, why isn't it? Is it just because there's not um, enough players, or?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of it has to do with there not being enough countries to compete. So mm-hmm. really, just the more players that start playing and competing, and like once we get more teams, uh, we should hopefully have
0: them. In the so we need to get more more females on the ice.
1: Yes. So if you're,
0: you're a female and watching this and thinking about doing sled hockey. Go and do it because we need to get Team USA to the Paralympics. Yep. Um, hopefully not to beat Team UK, but, you know, if that happens, it happens. I'm, I'm a supporter of you now, not of not of our team. <laughs> so um, can you play with the males? So when you're in club teams or is, is it a mixed um, mixed gender yeah. sport? Yeah, um, uh,
1: on all of the club teams, I believe it's a co-ed sport. So women can play with men. Um, I do know that with the Paralympics, it's technically co-ed, but there's only one female competing on a on the men's team, and I think that would be for Team Norway.
0: Uh, and is that because the men are afraid that the women will just demolish them and leave them for dust? <laughs>
1: um, I think there's just a stigma that women are less yeah. less able to play sled hockey at the level that men play which is pretty crazy in my opinion
0: so so we need but... to do two things with sled hockey we need to bring more more females to sled hockey and we also need to bring up the the kind of like prehistoric feelings around around male female sports because I, I i live in a house with three females and the males are definitely not as strong as the females in my house i might be one of the strongest men in the world but i can still get put down by my 11 year old daughter i'm
1: <laughs> so, proud
0: of her <laughs> well yeah she's proud of herself as well to be fair so so um tell me about the time you became the 21st duck because that is quite a big achievement right
1: yes it so, was an incredible achievement. For everyone
0: out there to tell tell everyone what the 21st duck is
1: yeah, so the twenty first duck is basically it was created by the Anaheim Ducks team, um, and they basically use the twenty first number as an extra player who is an honorary player who a lot of times shows courage, inspiration, and happiness or hope to the team. Um, and luckily, I was nominated.
0: So you weren't just nominated, right? You you got it.
1: I was. I did receive the honor.
0: And how was that? How was that feeling?
1: Oh, man. It was it, a
0: surprise as well, right?
1: It was a huge surprise. I didn't even expect it. Um,
0: I saw the video of you. You're on the ice training um, and then they come on and you were like, what's, what's going on? Who's this guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely took me by surprise. But, I mean, the whole Anaheim dog family, I mean, they're so incredible with making you feel a part of the team. And the family, um, as soon as they invited me out for opening night, I was over the top excited. And being able to walk the red carpet with Getzlav and go all around the, the state, uh, the arena for the game was like the most exciting night I could have ever had. And being able to go to a practice with all the guys was super exciting. It was a little intimidating. I mean... Just getting on the ice with stand-up skaters I'm so not used to because all the only players that I always skate with are coaches or a few teammates. Um, so it definitely kind of caught me off guard, I guess, in a way because I didn't expect it to be so different. But being able to shoot on Gibson and skate with all the guys and get a few drills in was super fun.
0: And were they learning yeah. off you as well? They were kind of learning what sled hockey was.
1: Yeah, I think they were definitely a little uh, pretty interested in, like, seeing how i skate seeing how i shoot and just the whole sport itself i think it's really interesting for a lot of people to learn because it's so different from anything they probably know
0: yeah and when you went to the the, the red carpet and um, when you walked out on the ice how many fans were there watching
1: oh man i don't even remember it i feel like the entire arena was filled, so i'm probably exaggerating a little but <laughs> It definitely felt like a lot of people. More, more,
0: more than fifteen.
1: <laughs> more than
0: fifteen. Yes. <laughs> was it? Was it more than? Um, so when you're playing sled hockey, do you have much of an audience, or a crowd?
1: A lot of times, it's local crowds yeah. or families or coaches. So it's definitely a different crowd from the opening night. So this
0: wasn't something that you, you were used to going <laughs> yeah, in, and yeah. seeing thousands of thousands of people just just clapping for you and all all because of the the hard work and inspiration you gave the team to to select you that's that's incredible and kudos to them for for selecting the right person because they definitely did um what is next for you in in sled hockey
1: um that's hard to say based off of the last year and a half that we've had with covid i definitely want to continue to improve my game i've only been playing for three and a half years, four years now. And I still have so much to learn about the sport. So the biggest thing is just continuing to learn. Eventually, I hope to get women's sled hockey to the Paralympics and help out with that.
0: And let's make that. The goal for, for the whole world really is to get get sled hockey for women to the Paralympics, because there's no reason why males should have a sport that females can't have. So let, let, let's, okay. let's, let's get that there. Said hockey isn't the only sport you do. Um, No. You also hand cycle. Yes. So tell us about how you got into hand cycling.
1: All right. Um, So when I was introduced to Challenge Athletes Foundation, um, I had started going to a lot of their clinics to try out new sports, and one of them happened to be cycling. And there was a coach there who was trying to put together a women's hand cycling team. And I guess as soon as he saw me on a bike, he invited me to make the team and to train with them and basically become an amazing young cyclist. Still working on that part, but...
0: You're the youngest female on the team, right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. Let, let's get everybody back to this. Lira, so, so from, from two years of having a double, double amputation became on Team USA for ladies hockey, and the youngest athlete on the CAF, the yes. CAF's um, women's national team. If you ever was to look back and think, was the amputation a good idea? I think I think you'd be maybe hit your head a bit if you would like now.
1: <laughs> if I ever had to question that, you know, there's something wrong with me. Yeah.
0: So, so what is hand cycling like? Do you do you really enjoy it? Is it is it something you can see yourself continuing?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really fun sport. There's a lot going into it. You're, I mean, you're cycling for hours a day sometimes or just a short race even sometimes, but the thrill of getting out on the open road and cycling among a ton of other incredibly experienced cyclists as a young athlete like myself. Um, I feel like I can go a long way in the sport if I keep up with it and just keep doing my best and learning as much as I can.
0: And I suppose the training for hand cycling can only really complement the sled hockey because it's all the same muscles, all, all the same movements you're using. You right. must be really strong in, in your arms. I'm
1: getting there.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the second strongest disabled person in the world. If, if people didn't know, I'd, I'd say it quite a lot, so they should know. You should.
1: And, and, it's, just a, it's a great accomplishment.
0: <laughs> and I, I, I feel like you would put me to shame in any of these these sports where, where you have to use your arms for, for speed basically or, or, or stamina because yeah I, I can do it maybe once and then I'll be out of breath and then I'll be you know back in the changing room <laughs> so, so
1: I mean I'm always out of breath
0: <laughs> so it's okay just yeah my, my out of breath it. me me and I'm stopping though but you're you're out of breath kind of just spurs you on to keep going I suppose <laughs> sometimes so what um do, do you compete at uh hand cycling are there competitions that you go to
1: Yeah. Is that all around America? Pretty much. There's a lot of times, I mean, our season is in the summertime. So we start cycling around the States in a few weeks, really. Um, I'm actually heading to a race in Huntsville for a road race or a time trial, I believe. So pretty stoked about that. But a lot of times there's, I'd say, an event every month or two. Uh, It's definitely going to be a little different this year. Uh, because of COVID situations, but still exciting.
0: And what's the what's the goals for for hand cycling? Are they in the Paralympics? Yeah. Yes, they ah, are. Okay, so so you could be a double a Paralympian for lead right. sled hockey and hand cycling. You'll just yeah. kill all the other countries. Kill kill the competition.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Paralympics would be in it. An incredible accomplishment in hand cycling i definitely see myself possibly going in maybe not this year because i'm still definitely a baby in the sport but maybe in the future later in life
0: you're 17 years old right so yeah you've still got plenty and plenty of time to dominate the the world of of the sports you play in let's move on from hand cycling you also where, where you are now you compete in Nordic skiing? Yes. Again, can you tell us a bit about that? How did you get into that? And you've got too many sports, you're, you're too much of an athlete. I don't think I've ever met someone as much as an athlete as, as you yourself.
1: Um, I was actually introduced to Nordic skiing through my teammate, who Oksana Masters, who yeah. is also on the CAF hand cycling team and is trying to compete in the Paralympics for that and Nordic skiing too. So I really took from her and came out to an event that they were holding uh, about a year and a half ago and tried out Nordic skiing. And from there, it was kind of deja vu for me because it felt really similar to um, sled hockey.
0: You're using the same Yeah, using a lot of
1: the same muscles and motions um, so I think that's part of the reason why I took a lot of interest in it um, and as soon as as soon as I started uh, I went to a race a few weeks later and I was <laughs> much hooked. I was like I need to keep doing this.
0: <laughs> Your teammates Osana is a, a medalist right at the Paralympics? Yes. How, how does it feel to be mentored by someone so so high up in the sport?
1: yeah uh i definitely count myself as extremely lucky to not only be mentored by someone who has so much experience but to be to have a friendship and to be able to train with her i'm definitely lucky and i'm i'm always looking forward to skiing with her because i'm always learning new things from her learning new lessons
0: yeah, yeah, she sounds like a, an incredible person. And I've I've watched a few clips with both of you in, and you, you could you could totally tell you gel so well together because of your your past and your your sporting ambitions that she's at the moment got what you're going to get, or all the gold medals, all the the success in in, in the sport with nordic skiing is it a speed race or is it a i don't really know much about skiing i've never been before i know you can have distance or you can have quick as possible right what, what, is, what do you do
1: yeah so there's different types of races um like you were kind of saying there's a sprint race that's you're going all out as hard as you can a lot of times it's a very short distance and you're racing head to head with other people and that's probably the fastest pace that you can be at because it's so short that you give it everything you got and there's also three different distances typically which a short distance which is a 5k a middle distance which is a 10k and a long distance which is 15k
0: what do you do uh,
1: tip- yeah typically I do any event that I can any race uh, most of the time we do short or middle
0: which is your favorite to do
1: I think my favorite would either be short or sprint because I somehow I just get excited about going all out as yeah. fast as I can mm-hmm. for not exactly a short time, but more like shorter distance because <laughs> you can just give it everything you got. Um, so I really enjoy 5Ks because it's kind of in the middle of you you're giving it everything you got, yeah. but you're also trying to pace yourself. So that's always a good challenge.
0: I will say that's not the only sports you do. You also you do adaptive surfing, uh, adaptive volleyball.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, any any more to throw in there?
1: Um. <laughs> no not really <laughs>
0: I mean I mean that's enough really I suppose you have to give the rest of the world a chance to to be good at something <laughs> so right. so so um how does the training how do you fit all the training in because to be uh at the level you're training at and competing at it must take a, a such a toll on your body you must feel battered a lot of the time
1: yeah I definitely have to say during a, a season where you're you got a heavy load of hockey games or cycling races back to back or even skiing races it it definitely takes a toll on you but it's definitely a, a learning process to manage your time so you can get the efficient amount of recovery time that you need and I think that's a really good time to take it back work on the things like school for me or just personal matters like having fun, having fun as in like going out and doing other things that you may not normally do because you're training constantly. So I think a lot of it is just like managing your time and figuring out what what is the best thing to do for you at the time that you're doing it.
0: And has COVID give you a, a chance to kind of take a break from all the training and competing you would be doing usually yeah. and spend time with your family or, or your school? Well, I don't know what it's like where you are, but we we can't meet our peers and it's right. very, very strict. So if you could meet your school friends or, or spend time, hang out, is that is that what COVID kind of did for you?
1: Yeah, COVID is uh, it definitely changed up my life and how I did things. To, like you said, our school here in California that I'm going to, it, it's pretty restricted too. So a lot mm. of it's online for me. Actually, 100% of it's online for me right now because um, I'm in Bozeman. But um, I, I definitely find COVID as a, a blessing in disguise for me. There have been so many terrible things that have happened this year, but I feel like one of the best things, a few of the best things that has come out of it for me was being able to take the time to focus on skiing and really see where, where I want to go and figure out that I really do want to pursue the sport to grow closer to the people around me including my close family. Who I even after my surgery kind of started to not see as much because I was traveling a lot more for sled hockey or cycling so it's definitely given me the time to do all that so I'm really thankful.
0: Yeah, you said a minute ago about how, how you want to go in skiing. How, how far do you want to go? Again, are we talking Paralympics and World Cups? And Is that one of the sports you want to focus on more than the others?
1: I definitely have to say the, the top two sports that I want to put my most, the most focus that I have would be sled hockey and Nordic skiing, because those are my two biggest passions at this point. One of my biggest goals is to go to the Paralympics and Nordic skiing now, and to hopefully qualify and go to the World Cup next year too. Is
0: so. is the Paralympics? Is that not? Is that this year? Uh,
1: that... that would be next
0: year. The whole world's in a bit of chaos, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really
1: Things are little...
0: yeah. Um, so you said you said about your family. Do you know how proud your your parents and have you got a sister? You said.
1: Uh, I actually have three siblings oh.
0: brothers and brothers. Okay, which one do you like the best? No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to say.
1: <laughs> I answer that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, so, yeah. so
0: how do they feel about all the the, the changes of, that have happened since you've had the the double amputation? How, how do they feel about all the sports you're playing? Um, are they proud about your, your future? Because it, it seems like, you know, I don't even know you and I know you've got, one of the brightest futures that anyone can can have so they must just be beaming of of pride and happiness
1: um I I definitely think my whole family is very excited that I've found passions in life and have found the things that I love to do and the people that I love to be around I think that's pretty much one of the biggest things that they've ever wanted for me and thanks to them and a lot of people around me that's become possible. So I think they're really excited about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. With with, with all the sports you've done, how, how do you keep motivated to keep going to these training camps, to keep going to the, these games and these sessions? What 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 drives you?
1: I have to say, I always just have to remember that I'm I'm doing it because it's fun. Yeah. And I always think I don't want to be doing something unless I'm enjoying it. And that's what I always remind myself, even in a really tough race where I'm almost thinking, why am I here right now? Why am I doing this? I have to think back to all the good times where I realized my love for the sports that I play. Um, And that's really what drives me through and gets me through a lot of the tougher times, I guess you could say, of training and races
0: if you could give one bit of advice or a bit of motivation to somebody who is afraid to try new sports or how it'll feel, how it'll fit in. Um, cause you, cause you know, we're trying to get more, more females into hockey here. That's, that's the main, the main goal now. So what would you say to these, to these people or these young up and coming athletes?
1: I think the biggest thing that people need to, that people should remember is that It's really up to you what you want to do. If you feel like you want to try sled hockey or skiing or any sport of any kind, you should go for it because the worst that could happen is that it'll be a little tough or you might need to get a grant for it. But there are plenty of resources and people out there who are willing to make your dreams come true if you just trust them. And I'm on your side for any of you who want to try a sport. Just remember that.
0: And I suppose this, if we were to look at your story, that before you had, well, before the amputation were offered, you could never see yourself being as you are now, in the top of the country, the sports you play in. Um, I suppose you, you wouldn't have even thought yourself playing these sports. How, how does how does that make you feel to to think that only only a short few years ago, you you couldn't do this compared to now? You're you're, you're mastering and you're, you're killing every event that you do.
1: I definitely
0: never expected
1: to be where I am today but you kind of just have to go day by day in life and do the things that you love and do the things that you know are best for you because that's that's all it's not all that life is about but I think that's where true happiness comes from is doing things that are best for you and that make you
0: happiest yeah, yeah that's, that's that's a great message um so so Lyra, thanks so much for talking to us i know you're, you're uh training camp and you've you've had a hard day out on the on the snow so we'll we'll let you get off um is, is it is it time for dinner now or no it's only what time is it in this this will have It's word, about
1: 1 right? 30 here
0: so have you got more training to do today
1: um today is actually the day before a pre-race so i'm <sighs> taking the rest of the day off to chill out and do some schoolwork
0: Oh, cool! Keeping you from your schoolwork, gosh. <laughs> okay, so thank thank you so much for, for talking to us. And uh, where can our our audience find more information about you?
1: Yeah, so I actually have an Instagram. Um, my tag is lowercase l e r a underscore zero four fifteen. If you guys want to check out, I'm always posting new updates about what I'm doing and all the events that I'm going to. So, you can check me out on there.
0: We will share the links to to your accounts, and we we wish you the the biggest success. And we we look forward to seeing you in in the Paralympics. Uh, I know I know I'll be there cheering you on from 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 my, my sitting room. But no, thank you so much for for inspiring us and sharing your message with us. It's absolutely appreciated. Um, and guys, check check out Lira on her social media. And again, when she's in the Paralympics, make sure you give her a big cheer. Thank you. And that's another episode, guys. What an incredible and inspiring young person, not just an athlete, Lyra is. I can't wait to see what's going on for her in the future. I know it's going to be big things. Next week is World MS Awareness Week. So we're going to do two shows. We've got one show with a a Paralympian, Laura Goodall. She is a para show jumper. She is a grade two para champion. And she's also on the MS Society Stop MS campaign. And we are also joined by Kat Snelson, who had a really tough time with her MS in her younger years and went on to become a bikini bodybuilder. She talks about how bodybuilding has changed her life and affected, for the better, her anxiety and outlook on life. I have been your host. This has been The Talking Bull Show. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode. Sport. Baby, let's talk about disability. disability. Let's talk about all the good things the bad things that may be. Let's talk about disabled sport.